This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, what's up, guys? Josh Pate here from 24-7 Sports. There's a whole lot of other folks in the room, too. We got Trey Scott. We got Brandon Marcello. We got Barton Simmons. We got Bud Elliott. And we have one of those good old-fashioned playoff roundtables that we have never done before. But we got to do it today because there are a lot of scenarios being thrown around you may be hearing this in the Barton and Bud podcast feed or the College Football Daily or the Late Kick or maybe on 24-7 Sports YouTube. And if you haven't subscribed to all those, I would suggest you do so. So here's what we're going to do this morning, this evening, and this uh, evening, whenever you're listening to us. We're just going to kind of run through a lot of these scenarios. we got some wildly varying takes at some points, and at some points we all converge and agree. But guys, we're fresh off the latest batch of the College Football Playoff rankings being unveiled. And so I'm pulling up the sheet that we kind of all have been sharing here. And let's just run through these for a second and let's just go one by one. Okay. So Ohio state right now is probably the biggest sort of inflection point conversation point for everyone, but let's just throw our first scenario out there. Ohio state wins out, Alabama wins out, Clemson wins out. What do we see happening here? Like Brandon Marcello, for example, I know You've been talking a lot about Texas A&M lately and what happens and what A&M's best shot is. I mean, do we think this is it? Uh, I'm not so certain. I mean, Texas A&M at this point, if, if Clemson wins out and Alabama wins out and Ohio State wins out, I think Ohio State gets the edge there because Texas A&M had a game canceled against Ole Miss. I think they need more stock. They need more dominating performances on their resume. Obviously, they have that victory against Florida, which is great. But I don't see that, like, wow moment for them outside of that game earlier in the season. And it was at home. I hate to say it because everybody's saying Ohio State needs more games and stock. But A&M needs more stock for not winning its conference division, let alone its conference championship. All right, look, so, like, my whole deal on this is it could be that situation where we're talking about margin of victory. I like that's become a very popular point of conversation right now. I mean, is there a big difference? Like I'll, I'll ask Bud, for example, like, is there a big difference in your mind of a 30 to 27 Clemson win versus a 38 to 13 Clemson win and what that could mean for like maybe Texas A&M shot to squeak in here? So I, I think it does impact the narrative, right? If, if Clemson just absolutely wipes the floor with, with Notre Dame, then it's easier for the committee to say, all right, Notre Dame only won because it was it was at home and, and Clemson had a lot of guys out on the defensive line and this dude named Trevor Lawrence also didn't play. If, if Notre Dame keeps it close, though, let's just say, I don't know, like two touchdowns or less, Notre Dame's resume is, is, is pretty darn good. And there's really no shame in, in losing a game convincingly, but not in blowout fashion to the Clemson Tigers. And then I think you get in this game where you're comparing Clemson's res- or uh, Notre Dame's resume against A&M's resume. And that's that's tricky, especially if Notre Dame has not been blown out by anybody. Because you, you recall, A&M was not competitive against Alabama. That was four touchdowns. That was a four-touchdown loss by Texas A&M. I think that has to be the margin for Notre Dame to knock it in if they lose by four touchdowns to Clemson. Because Notre Dame has a better win, right? Like beating Clemson, number one Clemson, is a better win, I would argue, than beating Florida. And they also have the better second win, right? I mean, like them beating Notre, them beating North Carolina on the road by two scores 
is probably a lot better than what AM's Auburn win. Yeah, kind of sitting here thinking. I mean, I'm but I'm looking at like what Barton said. Barton said, barring a 30 point blowout win, I mean, that's kind of the same path that he's thinking here. Notre Dame, unless it's a 30 point blowout. So it seems like a pretty popular sentiment out there right now. I think the margin of victory in a lot of these games are going to matter. Um, the way team, like this is, and that's across the board. That's, that's season long. It's not just about winning. It's about the way you win. And so I'm very interested. And, and depending on what else goes on in the other championship games, I think the way Notre Dame or Clemson wins or loses that game is going to be consequential. Is there any kind of path here? If it's, a, if it's an ultra-competitive, instant classic SEC championship game, I know we were talking about this before we even started recording. Like a lot of Florida Gator fans are going to tell you, okay, if we got two losses and one of them is on the road by a field goal to one of the top five teams, and then our other loss is by a field goal to the number one team, is there a path for two-loss Florida here or anywhere? Here's, here's my thing. I, I think I can make a case for this. And, and here's, the, here's the, the crux of my case here. And, and I've talked about this in the Cover 3 podcast a lot, the idea that the committee trusts their eyes above everything else. They, the, their charge is to get the best teams, the four best teams in college football in the playoffs. And your analytics, your numbers, your conference championships, all that stuff are, are just used as talking points to justify what ultimately their eyes tell them, Okay. I think that, look, Florida lost to A&M by one score uh, off a late game fumble back in what, like the third week of the season. Since that game, Florida, had, you could make a case that they're the second most impressive team in the country. I think you could. Uh, the, the way they've been beating teams, there's really hasn't been a close game since then. So you're going to, and, and, and by the way, Alabama has been clearly far and away the best team in college football. So if you're going to tell me that if Florida, with that one really close loss to A&M, where they've basically looked better than A&M throughout the, the rest of the season, if you're going to tell me that they lose in overtime by a last-second pick six or a last-second you know, one-inch away from the end zone sort of stop or, or whatever it is, a dramatic finish, that the committee won't at least have some sort of temptation to say, wow. Alabama and Florida look like the two best teams in the country. Are we going to penalize this Florida team that we saw on this night for what happened two and a half months ago? I don't know. I think there would be a temptation there. And, and, and it's because of the, uh, the, the committee's basic respect for their own process and their own eyes. Does it help that – sorry to jump in. Does it help that also Texas A&M might have one, two less games? I think it would help AM if they could get a more, you know, another impressive win over Ole Miss. It doesn't certainly doesn't help them. They're sitting on the sideline. So I'm saying, does that help Florida though? Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. So here's what we're circling back to. I mean, wh what is the, you know, what is the plus minus here? What's the consensus on whether Florida's resume that, wh whether, forget resume, what if Florida as a product, like, are they definitively better at that point than AM? Because you got a committee there who, just as much as you're talking about trying to justify their own eyeball test, I mean, they're waving this criteria in your face every single week. And right there front and center on that criteria in the tiebreaker is head-to-head. -head. You've obviously got the head-to-head -head there no matter how long ago it was, like the whole season matters, blah, blah, blah. So you're going to have to look folks in the eye if you do go that route, and you're going to have to say head-to-head's irrelevant. Florida is a decidedly better team now. 
And that's where the eyeball deal comes in. And that's where the whole, you know, hypothetical neutral field that they play today deal comes in. And that's where, like, I think a lot of people start to feel icky because you know what the obvious pushback, the obvious pushback is, well, why are we even playing the games on field anymore? And it's a fair point. And it would be a fair point. But I think, and, 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 I, I think the committee would have that sort of temptation and, and it, it, cause it would look like, again, you got to think about this. This is an Alabama team that has been boat racing everybody. And, and, and it wouldn't, it would, I'm not even, you know, I think a close touchdown game, you know, that may not be enough. I'm talking, it has to be a dramatic game that Florida looked like it should have won. And then all of a sudden, I, I just think you're, you're in a, you're in a tough spot with the committee. One of the problems that we would have there, though, is we, we have that kind of lack of connectivity between leagues this year. Like, we, we don't have the, the games that show the SEC is better than the ACC this year, right? We, we don't have you know, ACC versus Big Ten. We, we, don't, we, we didn't have that typical non-conference schedule. I, I think Barton made a great case if, like, because he was tasked with making that great case. Like, can somebody make a case for Florida? But I don't seriously think the committee would, would consider a, a two-loss Florida that played Bama close. Because then you're, you're – like, if you could boil it, strip the names off. We're going to take a two-loss – non-champion as the second team from a league with a committee that is made up primarily of you know people from all all the different power five leagues like that that's a hard sell i really don't think there's any way two lost florida i mean if they lose by a field goal in triple overtime goes over a one loss notre dame unless notre dame just absolutely gets its doors blown off what what about a two loss clemson i think they're out because they lost the same team twice Right. That's my, that's my thing. It's like, Hey, look, if you can't, if, if you got like that team is going to be in the playoffs, you've had two shots at them. You've had your chance, but I will say this about your point, but for whatever reason, the committee will take, like they would, they, they value a good loss more than a win. Now they value a good win over a good loss, but they like those good losses. Like if you play competitive against a team, they think is really good. They'd rather have that than you just beating some average team. That, that, that tells them more. And they love Alabama. Okay, so we're moving to scenario two here. This is, to me, A&M's best shot by 10 miles. We have Ohio State winning out. Buckeyes are perfect so far. We have Ohio State winning out, Alabama winning out, and then Notre Dame, kind of what we just alluded to, they double-dip Clemson. They beat them again in the ACC championship game. Now, this is what really does not comport with most people's worldview because the worldview for college football is – going into this season every year for the last several now, the ACC's is Clemson. Don't care if Notre Dame's in there or not. And they don't even care if they lost in the regular season because they will avenge that in the ACC title game. So this is the huge first wrench in our scenarios that really could be thrown in in a wrench-filled year, to be honest with you. So Buckeyes went out, Alabama wins out, Notre Dame wins out. This has got to be like the golden scenario for Texas A&M. And at this point, like this is why people in College Station are probably – searching like buttnuts.com right now as much as their own website because they want to know what's going to happen in the Big Ten. Like, are they going to be able to get a conference title game under their belt? Is the conference title going to carry as much weight as us having played however many games they end up playing, eight or nine SEC games? But that's really, I think, the name of the game right now is, is Ohio State going to be, will they have that conference champion sticker on their forehead or will they just have Ohio State on their forehead. And also at this point, I mean, if you're ever going to have maybe the big 12 champion sneak in there, Buckeyes, Bama, Notre Dame, that fourth spot could be big 12, could be Texas A&M, could be Ohio state. Like this one to me is wide open. So the big 12 is interesting. I, I'll start there. And I know someone's going to want to talk Buckeyes. I have no idea really who the big 12 best shot is. I'd be interested in hearing from y'all. Who does Bob Bowlesby want to win the big 12 title game? 
I think it's Iowa State because of where they are in the rankings. They've got the best shot, and they've already owned the win against Oklahoma when they meet them in the – so they beat Oklahoma twice, and you get that. But, of course, a lot's going to happen above them. But for me, in a lot of ways, I think if Oklahoma wins out and wins big in the Big 12 championship game, I think they should have an outside shot. I know, I know it's very slim, but Oklahoma has improved so much throughout the season. They're going to have – some top 25 wins under their belt. They have a dynamic offense. Their defense has been getting better. I think Oklahoma should get a shot, shot at least a look at them. I know no one's talking about them because where they are in the rankings right now, but to me, if they beat Iowa State on a neutral field and do so uh, decidedly, that shows to me that not only is this not the same Oklahoma team that faced Iowa State earlier in the season, but this is a much better Oklahoma team than we even saw, say, a month ago. And this is the type of Oklahoma team we were expecting all season, just talent-wise. And in a year where we're going by the eye test quite a bit, and we and if the committee truly believes Iowa State is the number seven team potentially going into that Big 12 championship game, why shouldn't OU be challenging for that seventh spot? And depending on what happens above them, maybe be even higher. I know that's quite the jump, but to me, if we're going eye test and looking at everything, I, I really do think Oklahoma should get a look at this, as crazy as it sounds. I, I really don't think there's much doubt that Oklahoma's the Big 12's best shot. Um, there are two reasons for that, and they both have to do with narrative. Anytime a team loses to a group of five program, it's a black eye. Like, I just do not see a chance where a two-loss Iowa State goes in front of the committee and can argue itself over a one-loss Texas A&M that played an all-SEC schedule. I don't care if Louisiana is ranked in the top 25. I don't care that Billy Napier is the next hot name. Louisiana is a group of five program, and Iowa State lost that game. That cannot be changed. Oklahoma has an argument because of narrative as well. They are a team that lost its first two Big 12, top, Big 12 games this year. They have gotten better as the season's gone along. The committee can latch onto that. They can latch onto the fact that Oklahoma's defense is sneakily a top 25 unit right now. They can latch on to the tangible nature that is Lincoln Riley's offense, this elite unit that has proven it can be successful in playoff environments before. Oklahoma has all of that going for it. It has two top 25 wins right now. It could pick up a top 10 win over Iowa State in convincing fashion. I think you can put a two-loss Oklahoma in that case head-to-head -head against a one-loss non-champion Texas A&M and make a legitimate case for Oklahoma in that uh, kind of scenario. I don't think you can do the same thing for Iowa State, just singularly based off that loss to Louisiana uh, early in the season. I agree with that. And I think you guys are, are, are leaving out maybe the most important point here because it's all about um, the, the committee's going to put in who they think are the best teams. It's just a matter of whether they can justify it. And they can justify it with Oklahoma because of those early season suspensions. The games that they lost were when Ronnie Perkins was suspended and Ramondre Stevenson was suspended and other guys were out. And so you can make an argument that the Oklahoma team we are watching right now is a completely different team than the one that lost those two teams early in the year. And so I'm a little surprised Oklahoma isn't a little higher in the rankings based on that right now. But I think that that is why Oklahoma has a shot here because you can just say, just preach it, different team. We are a different team when Reminder Stevenson and Grant Perkins returned. And the committee does take into account injuries and suspensions kind of in their evaluations. It's in their criteria. So it's not something they would just be pulling out of kind of nowhere from a narrative standpoint. This is something they have a backing to lean on with Ramondre Stevenson and Ramondre Perkins, who you could argue are probably their first and second best 
second best offensive player, best defensive player on the team. Like those two make a really big difference. But that still that still still makes me wonder why aren't they higher now in the playoff rankings? Because if they are considering that still, because it's obvious that they're I think they're better than their ranking, right? I think that Baylor game on Saturday did not do them any favors, uh, kind of struggling against Dave Aranda's defense for most of the day. But if you blow Iowa State out, I think that makes that negligible. They also might get, get that conference championship bump. How much do we think the committee's paying attention to Baylor right now? Like, like, what kind of reputation? What is reality versus perception in the mind of a committee member? I mean, I know they claim to watch football in a room all Saturday, but I mean, like, if I pinned one of them to the wall, figuratively, of course, could they tell me what Baylor's defensive metrics are and, like, what Oklahoma should have been expected to do against them? And also, like, what Brandon just said. So if that's going to be your, your perception, that they're a different team now, then they're sitting right now at 11. So between them and the spot that we're talking about getting to, you have Miami, Cincinnati's there, still undefeated, missing games now, of course. Iowa State, several spots ahead of them. I mean, you would have Florida and A&M there. So like if I'm going to if I'm going to go down that route, like I don't I don't personally feel that. But if I'm going down that route, I, I better start going ahead and giving myself some rankings ammunition now instead of waiting until conference championship Saturday and saying 11th, 10th. Oh, that's OK. The tumblers fell into place. We're going to hop skip you all the way up here to the top. We're talking about the top four now, not just kind of being an impressive number seven team to end the year. I mean, we, we've seen it happen before with Oklahoma, though. I think Oklahoma was like 16th in 2015 when they made the playoffs in the first rankings. And they hop, skipped, and jumped themselves all the way into the top four. So it's not like the committee hasn't done it. I, I realize it'll look, it might not look amazing, but Oklahoma still has two games against really quality teams out of it with West Virginia and Iowa State. And if the tumblers do fall into place, I think the committee has every right to kind of leap them up as the weeks go along without anybody really raising that much of an eyebrow. Just a little side question here before we move on to our third scenario. The committee, yes, takes into account suspension and injury. If, if we were to talk to an odds maker right now and we asked him, how do you value Ronnie Perkins? He could give you an exact numeric value right now, one and a quarter point, one and three quarter points. I don't know that I'd be able to do that with a committee member and have them as readily tell me exactly how they value him. So how do we feel just kind of generally about the committee? Because that to me, what that is, is it's what Barton said. It's baking in as many different ingredients as I can to give myself as many outs as I can at the end of the year to justify really the way I wanted it all along. Like I've, I've never been all that comfortable with factors that happen in competition in football, injuries, suspensions, which are your fault, by the way. It's not the sports fault. It's your fault. Those things being able to be factored in later in the year because there's no injuryless team out there. Normally there's no suspensionless team out there. So if I'm a coach, I mean, I'll take any suspension at the beginning of the year, and I'll just tout it as something that decimated my team at the beginning of the year. You did it for them that year. You should do it for me this year. Like, that's how I'd play that game. If, they, if that's how they want to play it, I try and turn it on them down the road. And there, there is specific precedent for this. If we recall, they did this with Oregon, not, not suspension, but for injury. Was it Jake Fisher or Eric Fisher? Uh, whatever the guy's name was. It was a Fisher's left tackle uh, a couple of years back. They, they referenced that you know, on multiple of those ESPN broadcasts as for a reason that they were discounting the team that Oregon lost to early in that year. They were fully prepared to do it with Tua last year as well, if you kind of listen to the way they talked. So it happens. All right, let's get us an upset in the SEC championship game. So well, we, we before we move on, though, in that scenario you laid out, we talked about Big 12, but ultimately are we not like A&M is probably in, right? That's my field, yeah. Ohio State out, Alabama out, Notre Dame wins out. That's that is the op opportunity for AM. I, I mean, I don't know that we need to dig into that too much, but am I is that 
Is that a consensus there that that would be a, a, the best opportunity for A&M? Or do you actually think a big, a big 12 would jump them? It's definitely the best shot for, for A&M. Yeah. I think it looks like 2016 when Ohio state got in over Penn state, uh, when Ohio state was that one loss non-champion and Penn state had two losses. I think that's what you ha- have happened there. Texas A&M gets in. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H track, all wheel drive and three row seating. My whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, this is the fun one here if you love chaos. So let's say Buckeyes still went out. Let's say Florida beats Alabama in the SEC championship game. And let's say Clemson wins in the ACC title game. What in the world's happening here? ACC, SEC challenge, two of both in the college football playoffs. I think. Um... I, I think there's no doubt, no question that both Alabama and Florida would be in. Zero hesitation there. And then I think that as, as long as we had a competitive game with Clemson and Notre Dame, I think that I think they'd get the nod even over an undefeated Ohio State. Notre Dame probably loves the news that Ohio State gets the Michigan game canceled and that as, as the time we record this, there's no we have no idea like who Ohio State's playing on the 19th. And I don't know if it even matters that much. If that's just the last game they have, like who cares if it's against Northwestern and Indianapolis or against Wisconsin? Yeah, none of those teams are going to impress anybody. Does the committee care at all if it matches up two teams from the same conference twice? Like if the committee essentially cuts off half the country, do they care at all? Well, for, for ratings, they probably do. But like there's no reason to think that they would match up Notre Dame Clemson round one and Florida Bama round one again. I mean, they would probably just go, what, Bama Clemson, Florida Notre Dame? At that point, those are two intriguing semifinals. And if you have an all-ACC or all-ACC championship game, so be it, right? It, it's 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 round two or, or round three in, in the case of Clemson-Notre Dame if they were to actually get through. Let me take you into this world that I envisioned as soon as Bud put this scenario out there. So the cry against Notre Dame forever, anytime they're in the mix, has been it is complete and utter trash that we may have to go and risk ourselves in a conference title game where they get to sit in South Bend, Indiana, and they get to be 11-0 and or 12-0, and and then they can just sit there. And they don't have to take any risk on conference title Saturday, and we could knock ourselves out. I mean, what kind of world is it where we may be approaching a point where Notre Dame loses a conference title game, and you're listening to Irish fans tell you, we shouldn't be punished because we earned the right to play in a conference title game. Like, we entered conference title Saturday number two in the country how can you knock us out? And the rest of the country, if you're watching the video product, they just kind of cross their eyes, kind of cross their arms and they lean back in their chair and they nod and they say, welcome to the real college football world. Like this, this is normalcy for us. You, you pay the price to try and be the absolute best in the conference. I think this goes back a little bit to what we were saying earlier. It's just Notre Dame's winning. Yeah, but they don't have like a huge, 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 huge win. Like they didn't beat Clemson by like two touchdowns. You know, they they don't have that gigantic win where you're going, man, they're just capable of boat racing one of the top six or top eight teams in the country. And if they lose to Clemson in the in the ACC championship game, I just don't know if you can look back and go, yeah, you beat Clemson. But that was a close game. You don't really have any of those huge wins where you just absolutely dominated from from start to finish. I mean, you beat Louisville 12 to seven. What was going on there? Um, I, it's going to be interesting with Notre Dame 
if this scenario plays out, because I think that Josh, what exactly what you just said, that's going to be uh, going to be some hypocrites out there. I don't want to get too bogged down, but I'm going to disagree with you, Brandon, on the Notre Dame big win thing. First of all, the Clemson, like that, that's a, it's a massive gargantuan win. They beat North Carolina by 14. That was like a, a three point line. They covered at Boston College. I'm talking about looking good like I am. Brandon, you know what, you know what looking good is, though? You know what looking good is? It's not losing any games. And Notre Dame is one of two teams in the Power Five not to lose any games. I could not be more impressed with what Notre Dame has done this year. I could not be more impressed. I will back Brandon on this. If you throw Alabama on Notre Dame's schedule and Notre Dame loses by 25, whatever, then Notre Dame is just Texas A&M. They're the same team. They got that they got a quality win uh, over Clemson, just like Texas A&M has a quality win over Florida. And they got a couple kind of ho-hum wins along the way and kind of a couple ugly performances. They just find a way to win. That's what Texas A&M is. They just happen to have Alabama on their schedule. But it isn't the argument here – like I, I, I don't really disagree with Barton's A&M point here, but isn't the argument basically Ohio State or, or Notre Dame in, in, this, in this scenario? Like A&M, the SEC is not getting three teams in in this scenario. I think there's some really wonky ones that maybe they could, but it's it's not this one. You know, the argument is, do we get two SEC, two ACC, or do we get Ohio State or Notre Dame? Like that, that's that's kind of it. I mean, is is a 14 point road win at at UNC more impressive than beating Indiana by seven? I I think so. Right. I mean, I think I think at that point, Ohio State gets penalized for the amount of games they played. And also, guys, I think Ohio State gets penalized for the lack of schedule strength with, within the league with classic powers, Penn State and Michigan being down. One more thing I want to throw out on this before we go to the next scenario. If Ohio State does not get to play for the Big Ten title, in my mind, that's kind of the out for the committee to put Notre Dame in and use sort of the TCU Baylor 2014 reasoning. If you guys recall, like they they said, okay, Big Twelve, you guys tell us who the champion is. The Big Twelve's like, I don't know, and then <laughs> right, so the committee's like, okay, guess what? None of y'all are going. And you know, to me, that's kind of the, the thing. If Ohio, if if the Big Ten can't say Ohio State's our champion, that's sort of an easy out to put Notre Dame in because Notre Dame already has a better resume. If Ohio State's not the Big Ten champion, then they're not really usurping a Power Five undefeated champion. I don't know about the timing about all this. I might be ruining everything and ruining the magic, but Ohio state's going to be in the big 10 championship game that the ADs have decided to rescind the six game threshold. So Ohio state's going to get in. So if they become the big 10 champion, I think that it kind of erases what we were just discussing. I think playing in Indianapolis, even if it's against a team you don't think is amazing, it's still better than playing on December 19th against Wisconsin. It's essentially going to Indianapolis to get your schedule notarized. I mean, that's what they're going there for. Blow someone out by 35, drag them, get the notary signature and whatever that little clamp thing is, and then go home and you're good to go. It also, if they play Northwestern, it gives them a shot to shut out Northwestern and then be like, hey, I know you guys had some doubts about our defense on a previous ESPN show, but look how look how well our defense played now. Please ignore that Northwestern's offense is terrible. All right, how about this one right here? Alabama wins out, Clemson wins out. They're both them. Ohio State finds a way to lose a game. Where are we going here? Because we only have really two locked in, Bama, Clemson. I mean, A&M's in the mix here, uh, Notre Dame. I, like, I don't know what we're doing here. So Bama wins out, Clemson wins out, everything else is in play. I, I think I think Texas A&M has a shot here. I did believe Cincinnati would, but the committee has made it pretty clear to me by dropping them from seventh to eighth. They're not, they're not going to really consider them because they did not play a game this past week. So to me, that that opens the door potentially – 
for someone else like a Texas A&M. But I think Cincinnati, this idea of the group of five finally getting in, that the rankings, the previous rankings dropping them to eighth, I think it made it makes it clear to me the committee's just not going to consider it. It's also your Big 12 spot here. Um, and, and you guys made a convincing case for Oklahoma being a better better chance at the, for the Big 12 than Iowa State. So say either A&M or Oklahoma here. We all agree if Ohio State loses any game, it, it's done, right? Absolutely. Would this be the biggest shot? I think by several miles, like Ohio State losing a game would be the biggest single wrench you could throw into any of this, is it not? In terms of just the surprise? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I expect – I think Alabama losing feels like a long shot to me, even as good as Florida's looking. But, um, but yeah, I, I think even as good as Alabama looks, that takes a second – a backseat to an Ohio State loss because I just – the rest of the Big Ten is underwhelming to me. The craziest thing wouldn't be Ohio State losing. It would be Alabama losing to Florida by three or four touchdowns. Like something nuts. Because at that point, we're not, we're not discussing it, but we just don't think it's going to happen. But at that point, does Alabama get eliminated because they got dominated by Florida? I remember feeling like we were headed toward that scenario two years ago, Alabama versus Georgia, and then you know Bama comes back with Jalen Hurts. But I remember thinking at halftime, like, okay, is, is Bama about to get knocked out? That'd be int- I don't think you can do it, but I, I agree with you that Florida winning is the biggest wrench possible here. It is very difficult to envision that happening without like all of Bama's quarterback room have, having coronavirus. Yeah, does anyone think that could happen? Devontae Smith gets hurt, and their offensive line all gets corona, and they still play the game. But then they have the excuse. <laughs> I know they have the excuse, but still, if they lose by four touchdowns to Florida, even shorthanded. That means Florida's defense has made Bama punt or turn the ball over like seven or eight times. A non-morbid one would just be Florida first forces some turnovers and Bama's defense just clearly hasn't played anyone in a few months, and that's why we think they're better. I'm just saying that would be the wildest thing by far. And that would certainly make things chaotic uh, that Saturday night. Okay, so speaking of upsets in the SEC championship game, like let's throw one in here. Let's go back to the more likely, where is Ohio State winning out? And we know they're going to play in a conference title game here, so they will have a conference title game under their belt. Ohio State wins out. Florida wins out. They're the SEC champion. Notre Dame wins out. They're the ACC champion. Where are we going? This is Bama in, unless unless they lose by like 100 or something, right? Like this, this I don't think this one needs debate. This is pretty pretty obvious. So this is the one we're talking about. Like that it kind of bleeds right in from what we were just discussing. Does margin matter? Could you have like, what, what was it, like 04 Big 12 championship game, just Kansas State annihilates Oklahoma whenever that was. I mean, it's not going to happen, but for the sake of non-zero percent argument, Florida wins this thing by 30 points. Does it even matter? My answer is it's 2020. I don't, I, I don't know. Anything can happen. I, I, it, the idea that Bama is invincible, we're going to find out in the playoff when they get in because they're going to beat Florida, that they're going to play, they're going to play a close game here at some point. They're not, going to, they're not going to keep boat racing people. They're going to face a much better defense here in short time. The SEC, the teams they've been facing, their defenses, even before facing them, are not incredibly good and certainly not on the level some of the defenses are going to see here in the future. All right, let's knock the Buckeyes out here. Ohio State loses somewhere. Alabama wins out. Notre Dame wins out. So you got your SEC and your ACC in there. And that's really the only two spots we have decided in this scenario. So Texas A&M's got a good shot here. Who else? This could be the Big 12's real good shot here too. 
Yeah, I'm with, I'm with A&M and, and Oklahoma fighting it out uh, if Oklahoma is the Big 12 champion right there. I did think Cincy maybe is an outside shot, but again, when the playoff committee dropped them one spot to eighth, I think it's very clear that they're just not going to be entertaining that idea. But I think it comes down to, to A&M and potentially a, a Big 12 champion Oklahoma, especially if that Big 12 champion Oklahoma uh, soundly beats Iowa State. Big 12 Iowa State, is this their shot to get in the playoff? Definitely. I think so, too. What if Cincinnati beats Tulsa by 35 points? The committee doesn't seriously consider G5 teams. No, they don't. I was just, I'm just, I'm curious. Like Tulsa's really good. Like Tulsa's a really good team. Nobody's even, nobody's even mentioned the poor Trojans, USC. Yeah, no chance there. Their, their opponents are a combined two and 10. I, I want to say this real quick about the Trojans, because I don't want to make this into a big thing, but I was discussing this earlier on Pac-12 radio because they're trying to figure out every way some ta- somehow a team can get in the playoff, which is crazy out there. But if USC had just absolutely dominated Arizona State and Arizona instead of just looking like crud and eking out wins, wouldn't we be kind of comparing Ohio State and USC at this point if they were both just blowing out opponents like USC did this past weekend, but they were doing that the entire you know, I say the entire season, the last three, four weeks. I, I'm, I'm being serious. Wouldn't we be saying Ohio State and USC would be kind of in that same realm? No, because I, I think the committee is excusing Ohio State just based on talent. And I don't think USC is quite at that level. But USC, if they were blowing people out, they've got talent, maybe not as much as Ohio State, but if they're blowing people out and you combine that with their talent and, and this idea of, wow, they're just heads and shoulder above everybody else in the Pac-12, I think they would be in a somewhat similar realm as Ohio State at this moment. I think the committee would never admit it, but they watched football happen last year, and USC was awful to okay at times. And USC's talent is not quite as good as Ohio State's, and they do have initial poll bias. I don't think it would be kind of the same conversation. To me, the story of USC's season, though, Brandon, has been that they've been squeaking by bad teams. Like saying that if they had been blowing people out, is like saying if Ohio State had four more games. Well, I understand that, but I'm imagining a world where there's a different head coach at USC. Sorry. They also needed Oregon to not choke away two games. They needed the game against Colorado, which is undefeated, to not get canceled. I I really feel bad for the guys who have to program Pac-12 radio right now. Like That is much tougher than our job here today. Let's go Ohio State loss, Florida SEC champion, Clemson ACC champion. I personally had Bama, Clemson, Florida, and then like this is another Notre Dame versus Texas A&M debate for me. And I guess it comes down to, you know, like this may be another one of those scenarios where margin of loss for Notre Dame in the ACC championship game is being measured against Texas A&M playing in the superior division, but they got blown out by Bama. But, you know, neither of you has a conference title. So that's, I don't know which, to be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know which way the committee's going there. They haven't been tested on that yet. I haven't really seen many Texas A&M, Notre Dame resume comparisons. So that would be kind of a new topic of conversation that is not crazy to envision, actually. I think a lot of us agree here it's Notre Dame over A&M, right? As long as it's close. I'm not like, I think some people are acting like it's, uh, you know, there's, if Notre Dame loses by 24 points, then they're still in because they got that initial, I'm not buying that. I think Notre Dame has, this has to be a really competitive game but if it is, I, I, I got a hard time seeing Notre Dame being out. Barton, do you have a margin you want to go on the record with here? Ten points. Oh, okay. Because, again, Alabama beat A&M by four touchdowns. But there's no – there's no, and, again, maybe it, maybe it matters what happens in that Florida game. There's no evidence to suggest that Alabama isn't beating everybody. 
by 20 plus points. But in this scenario, they lost. Oh, I see what you're saying. All right. Well, so they lost. All right. I think, oh man, I don't know. That's interesting. You said 10, because like, that's what we could be looking at. The line seven and a half. Like we could be looking at that. So I'm glad we have you clipped now on the record. I also think, you know, 10 points is, is just sort of a, that's a, a number without context. I think it's got to be, the game has to be in doubt deep into the fourth quarter. That's really ultimately what it's about. Less than a real number. Yeah, this is also a potentially Notre Dame getting in versus three SEC teams being in debate again. So uh, that's your tiebreaker. That margin, be damned. That's your actual tiebreaker. We're not putting three SEC teams in this thing. Something else that matters would, would be you know recent victories for AM. AM is a huge Auburn fan this weekend. They want that game against Mississippi State to get played, and they want Auburn to beat Mississippi State. If Mississippi State clips Auburn, or if LSU goes into the swamp and loses by 40, then you know that recent AM performance against LSU, in which their offense looked pedestrian yet again. And I looked it up, they're 106th in, in offensive explosiveness, AM is, which is a real differentiating factor between every other team we've mentioned today, you know, as far as the ability to hit big plays. If, if Florida wipes the floor with LSU or if Auburn's not very good against Mississippi State, that makes the recent performances by AM down the stretch you know, not quite as impressive, whereas you can argue certain teams have improved you know, down the stretch of the year. Yeah, there's that's probably a very off-the-radar game. It certainly doesn't have playoff implications immediately, but the whole Auburn versus Mississippi State deal, A&M's watching it for reasons you just stated. Everyone in the SEC West who's comfortable with Malzahn being at Auburn is watching it, and they're waving the orange and blue pom-pom as well. So it, there's some very, very strange bedfellows in the SEC West this weekend. All right, how about this one? Uh, this is the last one we had on the sheet. Ohio State loses. Florida wins out. Notre Dame wins out. And for this one, I just wrote Florida's in, obviously. Notre Dame's in, obviously. I think A&M's in here, and then you've got kind of chaos after that. Well, Alabama's in. Yeah, it's actually not chaotic at all. Probably the easiest one we had, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think that's Alabama, Florida, Notre Dame. And then who's the fourth one? That's the fourth one. Yeah, the fourth one's the more chaotic part. Is this another A&M, A&M Clemson debate, or is, is the Big 12 in here? I think that Clemson would be out. You can't lose twice. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a Big 12 uh, discussion where the Big 12 gets back involved. I'm trying to find a way for Cincinnati. There's just not a way. I mean, I really tried. The whole time, mentally, I tried, and I have not yet. The committee made it clear. When they drop them, they're, you might as well just put it, erase them from reality. They don't exist anymore. Is this the best chance for Alabama to win the national title? Like, if Bama could rig the field, a field that does not have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in it, that's the one Nick Saban wants, right? Like, he knows he can beat Oklahoma. You know, you could, you could throw that game against Florida, whatever. Don't you think that like, that's the playoff scenario that Saban would want? Oh my goodness, yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's not even I don't even think they're I don't even think they're looking at teams right now. I think they're looking at two players, one's in Columbus, one's in Clemson. That's what they care about. We're going to get some Florida hate for not including Kyle Trask in the uh, the Fields Lawrence, uh, you know, discussion. Well, Bud, would you like to tell me if you include Kyle Trask in the Fields Lawrence discussion there? Uh, I, I think we'll see that that verdict in May. Or w- when's the draft this year? April. Late April. Oh man, Dan Mullen would tell you straight up. To be a great college player doesn't mean you have to be even a good NFL player. To win this national championship at quarterback, you better be a future good NFL player. We want to leave it on that? Yeah, it feels good. Let's leave it on that. This has been this has been your first, not necessarily inaugural, but first college football 24-7 sports roundtable for the playoff. Who knows if it'll ever happen again? Who knows if we'll ever even see each other's bright and shining faces again? Some of us will because we got the early signing day show coming up next week. So keep it locked on 247sports.com. The College Football Daily, Barton and Bud, the late kick, 
everywhere you possibly go to get your podcast and subscribe to all of them as well as 24 seven sports YouTube. Gentlemen, have yourselves a great day.